0: Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Praying in the Spirit. This is part one of that series entitled Learning to Pray in the Spirit, and this is lesson one of part one. We cannot pray in the Spirit in tongues unless we first receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as initially evidenced by speaking with tongues. Now, I know this should go without saying, but I'm saying it. It needs to be said. You cannot pray in the Spirit, and I will prove that in these subsequent lessons. You cannot pray in the Spirit if you've not received the baptism of the Spirit as initially evidenced by speaking in tongues. The first time that the Holy Ghost was poured out upon man, according to the Bible, is in Acts chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. Some of you are very familiar with these verses. Some may not be as familiar. But this is the, this is the birthday of the church. This is the time that the uh, church came into existence. In Matthew, uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the word church is only used twice. Both of those times are in Matthew, once in Ma- Matthew 16, once in Matthew 18. And both of those times that the word church is mentioned, it is a future tense verb. In Acts chapter two, after, on the day of Pentecost, at the conclusion of the chapter two, the scripture says, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. That's only the third time in uh, in sequence uh, that the uh, word church is used in all of the New Testament. And it's the first time it's used with an A present tense verb. So somewhere uh, from the beginning of the book of Acts to the end of chapter 2, the church came into existence. And since Jesus commanded them in other places, but especially in Acts chapter 1, that they should go and tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high uh, and that they would receive the promise of the Father, which he quoted uh, John the Baptist and said, that, uh, uh, you, you know, you're going to, uh, John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. All of these, the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost, all culminate and come down and focus on these four verses and especially Acts chapter two, verse four. And I'm reading now beginning in Acts chapter two, verse one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, let me say this, and I'll just throw this in here just for your consideration. Uh, the day of Pentecost is the day that the Jews had celebrated the giving of the law to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai, which they considered the beginning of the old covenant or the covenant between them and God. We call it the old because uh, we're saying it in perspective from the new uh sometime near the end of what we call the, the the old covenant God began to talk about the coming new covenant he was going to make with man up until that time it was just the covenant the covenant of the law and so on the very same day that the jews celebrated the giving of the law to moses and the beginning of the old covenant uh the the old covenant ends uh at uh, 559 uh, am and fifty nine seconds on uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost uh because the day of Pentecost by Jewish time was fully come at six am uh, that was the beginning of their day at six a m on the day of Pentecost a new covenant began and so uh this is happening on the day of Pentecost the Lord chose to begin the day of Pente- a day, begin the old covenant on the, on a day. And he chose to end the old covenant and begin the new on the same day. And so that's the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, all throughout, as I will share in another lesson or two uh, that's coming up, uh, all throughout the, uh, the the Old Testament, there were hints and then more overt uh, 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 comments that the Lord made about the coming new covenant. And in so many of the places, he directly uh, connected the fact that he was uh, with them in spirit, but now in the Old Covenant, but now in the New Covenant, he's going to be in them. And so... Uh, by his spirit, he would be in them. So that moment where they were all filled was when the new covenant began. Now it is important to note that the scripture talks about a rushing mighty wind that preceded that, and that there were tongues of fire that set upon each of them. It's also important to note here that to my knowledge, to the best of my ability to, uh, as I have studied the word for these uh, almost 60 years, uh, I will say to you that, uh, uh, there is no place else in the Bible that I know of where the same signs accompanied the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, except speaking in tongues. The, the, the wind, the rushing mighty wind and the tongues of fire that sat upon them, which were not literal fire, but spiritual fire that they could see. Uh, because the Lord used that because when he gave the law, there was a rushing mighty wind, and there was the fire of God that was manifested, et cetera, et cetera. So he, those two things showed the beginning of the new covenant. But the new covenant was they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, that is the common sign that occurred in every place, in the book of Acts where it described how a person received the Holy Ghost every time in other places where, uh, it's, it's obvious that someone received the Holy Ghost. They, uh, they did not, uh, did not have the tongues of fire and the wind blowing. They didn't have that. And so, uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost is the most notable thing about the New Covenant. Repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name are not specifically New Covenant, because beginning with the uh, beginning with the uh, the uh, ministry of John the Baptist, he preached, and we know that from the disciples of John at Ephesus and John nineteen in Acts uh, nineteen, John preached the repentance of sins and that they should be baptized in water for the remission of sins. And we know in what name he baptized. He said in the name of him which is to come, according to Acts chapter 19 and verse 3 or 4, I think it is. And and then when Jesus came in his ministry, he was baptized by John six months later, and then he began his ministry, it would have to be assumed that all of those uh, who were baptized by Jesus and his disciples during his three-plus years of earthly ministry were also baptized in the name of Jesus. Another way we know that is not one of the ones that received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost were rebaptized after receiving the Holy Ghost because, according to uh, the Bible, they were the baptizers. They were the baptizers. And so uh, they had to have been baptized in Jesus' name because Peter commanded them to repent on the day of Pentecost, to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, not of repentance of water baptism, but of the Holy Ghost is unto you and your children, and all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So therefore, therefore, the uh the promise was the Holy Ghost. To receive the promise, we have to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name according to the Word of God. Now I will get into that more in another lesson. Uh, along this line, but I'm talking to you now specifically about the sign that was common and is common to this day. Uh, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were 120 people in that room praying and received the Holy Ghost. When it says all, it meant completely all. All of them Received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues, not just the twelve so they could preach as some try to say. They all were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, here's another thing that is important for you and I to understand. The scripture says, as the, they, they spake in tongue, they spoke in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Now, they were doing the talking. But the Spirit of the Lord was supplying the language, the words to say. The Greek word translated utterance here completely blows away the whole idea that these these were ecstatic utterances of nonsensical sounds that nobody could understand. And at no time. Did a person who, who speaks in tongues by the Holy Ghost, at no time does that person speak nonsensical, ecstatic utterances that make no sense. According to 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, they are speaking words of that are of the language of man or of angels. But they are a language. This is confirmed by the fact that the word utterance in the Greek is, as the Spirit of the Lord gave them utterance, means to enunciate plainly. That's according to Strong. Thayer's Greek lexicon says that it's... uh, to speak out, to speak forth, to pronounce. This is not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. So they were not just speaking in tongues of a certain language. And when I speak in tongues, I'm not speaking in tongues of a certain language. I am speaking in tongues, and they spoke in tongues that was dignified and elevated discourse. In other words, the Holy Ghost speaks in proper Uh, grammar when he speaks in another language. And I have heard speak people speak in English that were, that were speaking in tongues, had no idea what they were speaking. And I know people that have heard me speak in tongues and recognize the language that I was speaking. And I know several, several, several testimonies of people who were speaking in tongues, but speaking in a language that they did not know and understand. Now, I'll read a couple of translations here quickly, just so you can get the full import of this. Uh, we the We expanded translation of the New Testament says, and, and all were controlled by the Holy Spirit and began to utter, uh, to be uttering words in languages different from their own native language and different from those by the others, even as the Spirit kept giving them ability to speak forth, not in words of everyday speech, but in words belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. That is a translation, Wiest, W-U-E-S-T, Wiest Expanded Translation of the New Testament. Uh, The literal translation of the Bible by Mr. Green says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. The modern English version, which is also translated from the Texas Receptus, which is the Greek uh manuscript that the King James was translated from says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Uh, The Amplified Bible, the classic edition, says, and they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other different foreign languages or tongues, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. And then finally the 2015 edition of the Amplified Bible says, And they were all filled, that is, diffused throughout their being with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues, different languages, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. Rotherham's emphasized Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak, Be speaking with other kinds of tongues, just as the Spirit was giving unto them to be sounding forth. Darby's translation says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave to them to speak forth. Holman Christian Standard Bible says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in different languages, as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. Weymouth's New Testament says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in foreign languages according, to, according as the Spirit gave them words to utter. The Passion Translation of the New Testament, which is a newer translation, they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired uh, to be to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. And then the New International Reader's Version translation says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in languages they had not known before. The Spirit gave them the ability to do this. So that might have been hard to follow, but the point being, you can go research all of those and look them up. If you have a, uh, access to those translations and if you have a good Bible app or program, a software program, most of those translations should be available to you if you, if you want to have them and use them. Uh, but the point of all of that, when you follow all of that, they were doing the talking, but God was supplying the language and empowering them to speak. God was empowering them to speak and God was supplying the words for them to speak. But they were talking. It was their tongue, their lips, their voice. They were talking. And they were speaking speech that was intelligent speech if you knew the language. But to the speaker, they didn't know what they were saying at all. Vincent's word study says of the Greek word translated utterance, it's a peculiar word and purposely chosen by the Holy Ghost to denote clear loud utterance under the miraculous impulse. This is so important. It's so important for you and I, because if you're going to learn how to pray in the spirit, by praying and speaking in other tongues or praying in tongues, you need to be able to have confidence in God that you're not just saying gibberish, no matter what it sounds like to your ears, that you are saying not just noise, but you are speaking to God in prayer. Or God is speaking through you in the spirit into the atmosphere of the earth. You need to be able to believe that in order to give yourself to praying in the spirit. Now to further confirm this, We will continue reading in Acts chapter 2, verse 6. Now, verse 5 says, There were dwelling at Jerusalem uh, devout Jews from every nation unto heaven. And then verse 6, says, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? That's a province of Israel. Judea, where Israel was, where Jerusalem was, is a province. Galilee, where Nazareth was, is another province. Jesus was born in Judea at Bethlehem, which is also in Judea, but he was raised in Nazareth in Galilee. And all of his disciples, his chosen twelve, were Galileans. Most of his followers at that point were Galileans because the crowd said, and they were all amazed at marvel saying one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans and how here we ever men in our own tongue, Wherein we were born Parthians and Medes, Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? Now, the great, 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 great majority of all these that are identified here are not Gentiles. They are Jews that were born and raised in those countries who have made pilgrimage for this Feast of Pentecost from their country to be in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost because they were devout Jews. They were devout Jews. Now, uh, we know this about devout Jews even to this day. Devout Jews all speak at least two languages the language of the nation in which they were born, if it's some other nation than Israel. And they also speak Hebrew because all of their services are in Hebrew. In fact, the beautiful thing about Hebrew is it's the only dead language that has been totally resurrected and has become a nation's everyday language, like in Israel. Now, most Jews in Israel speak more than two languages, uh, or at least, uh, even those born and raised there but uh but in this case the devout Jews spoke Hebrew so when they came to the on this pilgrimage to Israel they did not need the holy ghost to miraculously preach to them in the language in which they were born the lord used that as a sign to them that the new covenant had become had come and so they said uh, verse 11 Acts 2, Crete and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were hearing these Galileans speaking in languages that the Galileans did not speak, and yet those that were hearing were hearing them speak with uh, 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 proper erudition and proper grammar as they extolled the works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? Now, some trying to dismiss the importance of speaking in tongues have said, well, this was God just giving them miraculously the ability to uh, preach to the crowd. Well, uh, Oh, the miraculous ability to the 12 to preach to the crowd. Except there were at least 18 different languages identified as being present on the day of Pentecost. And the only Gentiles in the group were the proselytes. And it doesn't say how many proselytes there were and what nation, how many different nations there were proselytes there from. But a proselyte is a Gentile that converted fully to Judaism. In faith, following all the practices of Judaism. Living by the old covenant at that time. So they, they too, as Jews of faith, made pilgrimage there. But they did not come as Gentiles. They came as converts to the Jews' religion. Now, it couldn't have been 12 people preaching. Because the Bible says, first of all, all, all 120 received the Holy Ghost and were speaking in tongues. Now, the problem is this. As I've already said, there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. All devout Jews speak Hebrew. There did not need to be a supernatural uh, giving ability to now speak a foreign language in order to preach those people. And there is no evidence at that point or in the future, if you want to take Paul's writings about speaking in tongues into account, that the person that speaking in tongues ever understands what they are saying. Otherwise, it wouldn't be miraculous at all, would it? Now, I do believe that for those, I believe there is a spirit of prophecy that can come on us, and we will prophesy in our own language, and the Holy Ghost will empower us to do that. I believe that, and I believe it is the will of God for everybody who preaches in the name of God and claims to have a word from God that they are delivering to people as the word of God should be empowered by the Holy Ghost to speak those words. That the Holy Ghost should be given the words and the Holy Ghost should be empowering those words, even if they are the words in their own language. The problem with that, it's too easy for the mind to take over. And so it is a lot harder on the flesh to speak anointed words in the language of my mind than it is for me to just give up myself to God and let him preach or speak, not preach, but speak and pray in these languages that I don't understand. Now, we'll look at it in detail later. The Bible says, according to Paul, when I'm praying in tongues, my mind's not involved and it's not involved because the Holy Ghost is able to bypass my mind and pray directly out of my heart, my spirit, my heart, my soul through my mouth to him without my mind being involved. Why? Because my finite mind is in tune with a finite world and it's too easy for my finite mind to be limited by the finite world. Where it's hard for us at times to have faith to speak what gives, uh, God gives us to speak because of that. So, because this crowd spoke in Hebrew, there did not need to be a miraculous utterance of of tongues for them to be able to hear the gospel. Here's the proof of that. Acts 2.14. When Peter preached to the crowd, he preached in his own language in the language they all understood. And uh, he preached uh, without an interpretation. Acts 2.14. But Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. So Peter preached in the language that they all had in common at that point. They were devout Jews. So Peter would have had to have been preaching in Hebrew. And they all understood Hebrew. So the idea that the Holy Ghost spoke through them in tongues so they could preach to this crowd, it was a sign to the crowd. It got the crowd's attention. But it was not a uh, uh it was not them preaching to the crowd. In fact, what they were doing was simply extolling God and his mighty wonderful works. They were praising and thanking God glorifying God in these languages they did not understand. It was the sign of the Holy Ghost. According to Paul, for himself and everyone else, this was not a one-time occurrence. It became a lifestyle of prayer and praise. And we know that because one church gave itself over to such an extent to uh, praying in tongues that praying in tongues took over their services and they tried to preach in tongues and they tried to do all of their pray prayer and praising in tongues. And Paul, Paul had to bring some balance and order back to their gatherings. That's how much of a lifestyle it had become. Do I believe? Do you believe that the rest of the church throughout the rest of the world had no experience like that. When Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. I don't think so. I don't think so. So this is, this is the basis. This is the beginning of the foundation of this entire series of lessons on learning how to pray in the spirit. I need to learn how to pray in the spirit. I will not yield myself to something that I do not believe is God that I cannot trust in. And I will not l- allow my intellect to go uninvolved and only pray in the spirit unless I am convinced biblically That that is the superior kind of praying. And we'll talk about that more later. It doesn't mean you only pray in tongues. And there are scriptures that clearly state that. But I'm reaching for the person that rarely, if ever, prays in the spirit. The problem is this. If you don't learn to pray in the spirit, your prayer will be much shorter than what God is willing to do through you. And it will be much more ineffective. And I will go into all of that as we continue. God bless you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I I loose the spirit of grace and the spirit of prayer from the Holy Ghost upon you and the spirit of hunger and thirst in your spirit to live in the spirit and walk in the spirit and pray in the spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen.